Hey guys, Michael David here. Just want to say a quick hello to you guys and welcome you to the very, very first podcast from the 4-7. The 4-7 podcast is basically two normal everyday guys who share the same likeness of Christian rock, Christian metal, Christian hardcore, and everything in between. Our very first podcast was from Mr. Matthew Beard from the band Spoken. Mr. Matthew Beard is absolutely amazing. He was so generous to give his time. We had a blast hearing the stories from the road and how he became a Christian and everything in between. Now, you may be wondering, what is the 4-7? Well, 4-7 comes from the Bible verse 2 Corinthians 4-7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We love that verse, and coincidentally, it also says jars of clay, which is also one of our favorite Christian bands of all time. And who knows, maybe we'll get them on this show. But either case, guys, I want you to enjoy this podcast by Mr. Matthew um, Beard. And we'll see you next time. You're listening to the 47 Podcast, the podcast where two normal guys interview and reminisce about their favorite Christian artists from the 90s and today. All right, so uh, again, this is our new podcast. It's the 47 Podcast. Um, you're our first guest. I, we really appreciate it. We know you're super busy. You're actually literally driving uh, right now. Um, and so I, I've been looking it up. You've been all over the place this fall. Uh, California, Texas, Utah, Arizona, Tennessee. Uh, what are you currently up to? What's going on? Um, well, currently I'm, I'm on my way home from Townsend, Tennessee. I was lucky enough to be able to to go down and, and play. Um, actually, I played a restaurant last night and today nice. at noon. I played like the lunch hour. It's really cool. Like I, it's the second time I played there. Um, just just a, a cool place. Great people that run it. Uh, it's called Healthy Vibes in Townsend, Tennessee, and it's it's just a cool place. Great people. Uh, plus, Townsend is is beautiful. It's it's a beautiful place. It's about um, 20 miles from Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. So it is it is mountainous. It's it's great. Nice. But I uh, yeah, I went down there to play. I'm heading back home now, home to Des Moines. It's uh, it's it's it'll take about 13 hours or so. I'm 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 currently passing around the west side of Indianapolis, Indiana, and it's kind of a hard thing because a good friend of mine named Gene Diesel lives uh just south of here and i wasn't able to contact him and and, and get together because normally he'd be like let's 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 grab uh, some bean he calls everything to do a coffee bean he's like let's grab some bean uh and so um yeah he i mean he's a musician he's a pastor of a church like he uh he's been a band called feasel because it was with his two brothers uh and then uh they changed their name to liptical uh, but even before that, uh, it was Valiant, which is like an old car, which is really cool. Known him a long time. Anyway, uh, driving around uh, the western side of Indianapolis, thinking about the guys in Fiesel and talking to you guys. And so, nice. yeah, I, sh- I should be home by 4 a.m. Uh, huh. in the morning. So Nice. Well, that sounds exciting. I mean, you've been doing a lot of, it looks like acoustic shows over the last uh, couple of months. Um, is it just you touring? Are you with any part of the band? Um, and how are those shows been going? Um, no, it's just me um, right now. Um, normally on acoustic tours, I'll bring my wife and kids. But with this one being just a whirlwind trip to Tennessee and back, um, they, they stayed at home and, you know, they had, had stuff going already. Um, but um, my son is actually at a small, I say small because who knows how people are going to react when they're like, he said, what? He's at a birthday party. Don't you know there can only be eight people? You know, it's is another juggle that we have to deal with as musicians, as um, you know, families, especially coming up with Thanksgiving and all. But um, yeah, I've been been doing several acoustic shows uh, over the past two and a half months. Obviously, there's a lot of juggles when it comes to certain regulations and guidelines that everyone is trying to adhere to. You know, they're they're trying their best to to make it safe. Um, 
but it, it you know it's been really cool and and when going five months without playing shows and touring, which is the longest I've ever gone without touring in 24 years of the band's existence, you know? And so, um, I, at this moment, I, I would not take it back for anything. I loved having like a normal at home every night life for five months. Cause it was really, really cool. I enjoy my nice. family. Um, but JR and I are working on the new spoken record. JR is also in the band love and death, which they have been, doing a ton of stuff recently getting ready for the release of their record. So um, even if we kind of wanted to do spoken shows right now, there's, there's just really, really good things happening with love and death. And so um, I would never want to get in the way of that. So that's awesome. That's great. So uh, that's what you're up to now. Let's, let's kind of dive back a little bit. You just mentioned it. You've been in a band for almost 25 years in spoken um, if you can get that far back, how did that opportunity come up? How did you come up with Spoken? How did that opportunity arise for you? Yeah, um, well, like, there, we, we had kind of dabbled in music a bit, like in youth group. And uh, for me, I got, I got started in, in, with singing in youth choir, and it was something I didn't want to do at all. But I just wanted to skateboard. That's all I cared about. That's how I came to know Jesus, because of skateboarding outside of church. I got invited in. It was during a potluck dinner. I loved every second of it. I thought it was amazing. Um, I wanted to be around those people. They were super kind to me, and they accepted me for just who I was. And they, they you know, they showed me Jesus. They, they showed me true, unconditional love. And so, now, how old were you it. when you became a Christian? Fourteen. 14. 14 years old, yeah. February 2nd of 1992. Uh, that is awesome. Changed every everything about my life, you know. And so, um, you know, we we kind of messed around and, and we played like youth lock-ins and stuff. It wasn't spoken. It was it was a, under a different name and different guys or whatever. But we, you know, we played like two songs over and over and over again to a strobe light, you know, like a strobe <laughs> light just blinding everyone. Um, and that's what we did, you know, we were like, everyone's like, that's really cool, really cool. But one of the songs didn't even have lyrics, you know, so it's like, okay, all right, but we were in a band. Um, and then, you know, like when, when I was 19 is, uh, I, I thought I was going to go to, you know, to do college for real or whatever. And, you know, I, I had, I had this idea that I was going to, I was going to try to become a nurse. I'm like, you know what? I can help people this way. I can talk to them about Jesus or whatever. I had given up on music um, and I didn't know really what else to do. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to move to Memphis, Tennessee in with my, my uncle Benny and my cousins. And I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go to college in Memphis and whatever. Anyway, I got, I got sick, uh, which I thought I was dying, but it was, it was, it was my first kidney stone. And so I'm like, what? I woke up in the hospital. My uncle's like, well, looks like you got yourself a kidney stone. Go ahead. I got to stop you there. Hold on. How, how was it passing the first kidney stone? How was it? How was it uh, passing that first kidney stone? Absolutely terrible. Cause I, I was, you know, I was, I was sleeping on the floor and I was like, man, something is not right. And I just, I, I, I literally felt like all of my organs were just done for right i'm like this is terrible what's going on so my cousin daniel took me to the emergency room and i'm laying there in the floor of the emergency room uh for whoever's listening i'm sorry i was puking my guts out like i was hurting so bad i didn't know what was going on um they got me in and and they you know put they gave me some morphine to chill me out a bit um, ended up, you know, waking up the next morning and my, my uncle's like, well, looks like you got yourself a kidney stone. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and so I'm like, I, I can't be, you know, living six hours from home and trying to figure out how to get residency to even go to college. Can I even get accepted to college? I don't know. You know, and so I moved back home and literally I would say a month later is when, you know, Jeff and I, and you know, Ronnie, BJ, Steven, the original members, like, we're like, let's, let's play some music. Let's, let's set up in the living room and let's just try to play some songs. And so that's, that's truly when Spoken um, began. We started playing like people's backyards, their porches, any party that we could play that somebody from, you know, high school was throwing, we were there. Um, but we, we, we didn't have a name yet. 
and we didn't know what to call ourselves. Deftones was already taken because that's like the best name ever created, <laughs> you know. And, and at that point, we're like, well, I mean, corn is spelled with a K and a backwards R. It works for them. Like, what? Do, anyway, our drummer, he's like, well, we want to be outspoken about our faith. How about spoken? We're like, yep, cool. It was a two-minute conversation, maybe. <laughs> and so we just started playing more and more shows and recording demos um, under the name Spoken, and that was kind of that was kind of it. Hey Matt, so back in like '97, uh, you really you definitely released your first album um, on your feet. I have a question. So I'm very intrigued by a couple of things with your with your very first album. First thing, you were on Metro One Records. Yes. Now, people don't know Metro One Records. They were part of the Dia, the Diamante distribution uh, with a whole bunch of different labels. But yep. specifically Metro One Records, what I like about it is it was a very much of a there was a lot of different kinds of bands on that label. You had Precious Death, you had um, you guys, you had was a Jargonaut, which was the Mortal, which was part of the band Mortal. They released Jargonaut. Um, you had Crystal Lewis, you had K2S back in the day. Yeah. Yep. Tell tell me about tell tell me about Metro One Records. How did that actually come about? And yeah, <laughs> yeah, we are so far back. Look at this. Um, <laughs> so we we had started sending out, um, and you know what? Let me say this. There's a there's some store near where I live that's called Diamante. And so every time I drive by it, I think of Diamante. I think of Dirk Lemens from Stavesacre. He used to work at Diamante. And I'm like, what? Every time I think of all of these things from the past, you know? Um, anyway, we had started recording demos, um, you know, playing as many shows as possible. We had like 23 songs recorded. Uh, and we were sending out, you know, press kits like in a, in a day of where you would send a manila envelope with a, a, a kind of a, a terrible black and white photo and eight by ten. You would send a cassette tape, you know, you're like a, a little bio of like, hey, we're nobody, <laughs> you know, like check, <laughs> check it out. Anyway, we were sending stuff to like five minute walk records. Um, we sent stuff to, to Tooth and Nail. We sent stuff to Rescue Records, all this stuff. And uh, anyway, like I, I remember calling Tooth and Nail, and I talked to someone in in the mailroom, and uh, I'm like, "Hey, uh, you know, we had sent in a press kit like a couple months ago. I'm just curious if if you guys got it. Like, if we like it, we'll call you." And that was it. That's all I heard. I'm like, "Okay, cool, <laughs> all right, <laughs> all right." So anyway, um, I ended up talking to a guy in uh, from from Rescue Records. His name was Noah. And he was like, well, you know, I like what I hear. I like I like your stuff. Um, the thing is, like right now we're we're trying we're in the process of launching my son's band. He's he's in a band. And, you know, they, they have a, they yeah, they have a record coming out. It's called Snuff the Punk. You should check it out. I'm like, oh, I will actually will. And um, they're like, you know, but I do know of a record label up the coast a little ways in Newport Beach. They're signing, you know, they're wanting to sign some rock bands and, and bands that are kind of like what you guys are doing. Um, I'll refer you to them. I'm like, thank you so much. Anyway, about, uh, I guess two weeks later, I get a call from a guy and he's like, Hey man, what's going on? Uh, this is Tom from Metro one. I'm like, Hey, Hey, what's going on? And he's like, yeah, well, we like what we're here. We'd love to talk to you guys about, you know, coming out and recording a record. And we're like, cool. We'll leave today. He's like, well, <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, you like, you, we, you know, let's plan it out a bit. Um, two of actually three of our guys were still in high school. They were, they were finishing up their senior year. Right. Really? But I'm like, Hey, we'll, we'll leave today. We can be there by day after tomorrow. Uh, and like, well, let's, let's plan on, you know, when did the guys get out of school? I'm like a month, like, let's just plan on you guys coming out in a month. Anyway, when I got off the phone with Tom, we counted up our money that we had all together. We had like $147. So we would have made it to like Western Oklahoma. It wouldn't have mattered because, because <laughs> we all lived in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And we were just, we were just broke. You know, we, we didn't know. And we didn't know how long we were going to be broke or <laughs> we would have probably rethought some things, but that's, that's how it came about. We went out there and we spent two and a half days recording, um, on your feet uh, we recorded it live in the studio on two-inch analog, and we we're like, okay, that's that's it. And so that that's that was that process. Nice, awesome. You released three albums, I think, with Metro One. You were on On Your Feet, What Remains, Echoes of the Spirit Still Dwell, 
Um, just yep. to give you a little, just to give you a little hint of where I came in with you, um, I became a Christian in high school too, so that was late '90s. And all I'd listened to was like, you know, Jars of Clay, Sonic Flood, um, you know, DC Talk. Um, I never even knew there was a genre for harder music in the Christian world. And uh, I heard uh, people get ready, Jesus is coming. And wow. I heard yeah. you screaming Jesus, you know, just screaming Jesus. And I was like, yeah. why is screaming Jesus the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life? <laughs> and I just started <laughs> listening to that. And Echoes of the Spirit Still Dwell was my first album that I picked up. And uh, I just I was blown away. Like, I didn't know there was a, a genre of music that could be cool uh, and also Christian at the time. Um, you yeah. Know, and no, no, no hate towards Sonic Flood. You know, at the time, I thought they were amazing, too. But it was just a whole nother genre. It opened my opened my eyes. So um, with saying that, you've come out with music in the CD age, in the Napster age, and now pretty much a fully digital age. What's your favorite era of releasing music and how has the Internet changed your experience? Um, you know, I liked it when people cared about buying CDs. I, I, I enjoyed that. I still buy CDs. Unfortunately, I, I've had to kind of adapt with the times and, and buy some stuff, you know, uh, on iTunes and whatever. I don't use Spotify, which is really weird. I don't know why. I've like, I've downloaded the app like 10 times, but I, I love the radio. I love channel surfing while I'm driving. I love stopping on a country station. If I hear like, you know, Adrian Rogers uh, preaching. I stop on that. I I stop on a pop station. I do not stop on Southern gospel. I can't. Um, it just doesn't sit well <laughs> with my palate. So, but I mean, I want to stay current with music, and I, I want I want to uh, I want to hear what what people are listening to. Um, you know, and it makes it to where it's like, wow, why is that song on the radio? That is terrible. You know, like, <laughs> but, but I, I've, I've personally written a thousand awful songs, so I, I, I get it. Um, writing music is, is, is a little difficult, you know, like you can have a thousand ideas and maybe two of them are good, you know? So I, I get that. I understand it. I just don't know how some songs make it on the radio and I don't understand why some people would buy you know, something that sounds like that. I'm not talking sonically. I'm talking lyrically, like the worst thing yeah. ever. The melodies are not good. Um, you just feel uncomfortable with the tone of their voice, you know, stuff like that. And mm -hmm. I, there's plenty of those bands. But I um, I do miss I do miss people buying CDs. I, I miss it being something where they're so excited about walking up to the merch table, buying a physical copy, and sitting there and, and talking to you about it, you know? Just... However, but at the same time, I've always been a person who's like, I don't care how people hear it, as long as they can hear it, make a decision if they like it or not, maybe it will affect their life in a positive way, and maybe it'll make it to where they want to come to a show and we can actually meet them in person, like a <laughs> real person, not all everything online or everything, you know, I, I don't ever want to be that, you know, untouchable. And I think a lot of bands, unfortunately, they, they're taught to be untouchable. Where it's like, yeah, just leave some mystery. I'm like, I, that's no, I don't agree with that. Like, be a human being, write the best music you can, but be approachable and let these people who pay your bills let them know who you are. That that's the most important thing is let them know who you are, and not only about have an idea of who they think you are. That's awesome. Hey, Matt, I got a question for you. So you guys came out in '97, and now in '97, you had Frontline Records, you had Tooth and Nail. Uh, you had Rex Records with, uh, remember, I'm not sure, do you remember Six Feet Deep, NIV, Dogwood, all those bands from the Southern California area or Arizona? Yes, let me spend a few moments on that. I loved Six Feet Deep. Oh my gosh! Uh, oh my I gosh! I'm so excited. <laughs> I, I, I gotta cut you off right here. I gotta tell you something. Sorry, I, I might have just put a plosive. Okay. Six feet deep. Sorry, Matt. Oh my gosh. I got to tell you something. Do it. Tell me. I want to hear it. Six feet deep is probably one of the most underrated. They're like the godfather of hardcore music in the Christian industry. Mike Porter is was an amazing musician. That whole Six Feet Deep Road Less Traveled album, he wrote and produced every single one and played every instrument on that album. If it Love wasn't it. for if it wasn't for Rex Records totally folding. I think they could have had an amazing, amazing career. I absolutely agree. Like, I agree that it was in the same time frame of, um, you, you know, when, when bands like 
Stretch Armstrong was out and like you're like what in the world slick shoes yeah like that um mm-hmm. strong arm I love strong arm um all these bands um but yes I, I really liked all those bands do you remember like Dig Jesus do you remember Applehead do you remember those bands no I don't tell me worth about. worth checking out they were so different from like anything that you know like I had heard because in the same way like the first cassette tape I ever bought was Inhabit by Living Sacrifice because oh. I love Slayer. And when I became a Christian, I'm like, okay, what is it? And it, there's this Christian bookstore in the Northwest Arkansas Mall called Noah's Ark. And they had some cassette tapes of these bands. You know, I'm like, what is this? They had Clank. They had, um, they had Living Sacrifice. So I bought Inhabit. I'm like, this is so cool. I love it. You know, and like, I didn't realize that Living Sacrifice lived two and a half hours away in Little Rock. I, I didn't are, know. They're a great band too. One of my favorite bands of all time. Absolutely. You, I guess one my, my question, well, my question I'm getting at is, did you realize at the time, or do you even realize now that you were part of setting the foundation of great Christian hardcore music that would inspire bands today? No, no. Um, I, I, it's never been something I really thought about. People tell me that at times I'm like, that's cool. But you know what? Let me tell you about these bands, you know, and whether it be like bands from the past or newer bands. But I remember being, we went on a youth group trip um, to Memphis, Tennessee, which is so weird that I'm talking again about Memphis, but we went to Liberty land. It was like an amusement park. And I remember that we went there and we, uh, I don't know, like we were there and, and they're like, Hey, you know, who's playing today? We're like, no, who's playing audio adrenaline. I'm like, okay, oh, who's that? You know? So, um, <laughs> It, we, we watched Audio Adrenaline, and it was awesome. And uh, a friend of mine, Jason, which is the guy who invited me to church for the first time ever, uh, Jason Anderson, he got the the Headbanger of the Day Award, and they gave him a free T-shirt. <laughs> he was in the front row. And, like He was just losing his mind the whole time. And so, um, you know, while we were there, uh, there was also like, – we just happened to be in this area where there was – there was there were a couple bands that were playing at the in the basement of this church, right? And um, it was called 407B, I believe is the name of what they they called it. But we show up, we watch the bands load in. We're like, okay, who's this? And that night, I watched as two bands that I will never forget. Uh, they were called Unashamed and Ooh. Focused. Oh, <laughs> Dude, that um, is when Tooth and Nail first started. Great band. So good. And Dirk, who played bass for Focused, became the bass player for Stavesacre, another yes. one of my favorite bands of all time. And so, like, I'm standing there watching these bands play, give absolute glory to God, uh, jumping in the crowd, on top of the crowd, crowd surfing, the thickest guitar tones I'd ever heard in my life. And at that point, I had no clue what guitar tones were. You know, I'm like, oh, okay. Anyway, I mean, that was when I was probably 15 years old, but, you know, I, it that's what started it for me, you know, yeah. and then when Living Sacrifice released, you know, Reborn, I'm like, this is amazing. What is this? And so there's so many of the bands that I, I love and I listen to so much. And, you know, to continue on with Dogwood, um, the other day I, I was... I was cleaning downstairs and I, I plugged my phone into uh, my my speakers that I have in my like my music room, my studio, whatever. And I was blasting um, dogwood. And so I'm like, I was listening. I didn't realize I had it so loud and I was absolutely oh. interrupting everything that was going on upstairs <laughs> with my wife. This and is kids. why I love the podcast. This is exactly uh, why I started this podcast. I could so geek out good. on this stuff all day. Well, there's so many great bands, and I, you know, I I sent I sent Josh, the vocalist for Dogwood, a message on Facebook. I'm like, hey man, how's it going? He's like, hey, uh, let's write some music together. I'm like, what? That was last week, and so I'm like, oh, no. The I reason I, I, the reason so I appreciate you, and specifically you and um, Josh Kemble of Dogwood, you guys have two faith first bands. Totally. Like yep. it's first because Dogwood. If you listen to their lyrics, like the song "Do or Die," when it came to "Do or Die," you died for me. Um, yep. Such faith-first bands. But I want to go back to one thing. Um, so you said Stavesaker. Fun fact: 
the lead singer of Stavesaker um, was Mark Selman. He started the band. He was in the band The Blame back in the day. He released a side project called Outer Circle. Yep. Uh, oh my gosh, that CD is probably one of the best one, like one 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 releases ever. That totally. CD is intense from start to finish. Twenty eight minutes of in your face punk. Oh my gosh. Did you listen to Neon Horse? No, I didn't. But he was in that. He started that with um, uh, was it the Martin Brothers? I don't know. I just I think so, but I just remember hearing his voice. I'm like, that's crazy. That's he's Mark got a, Solomon. He's like, got a great, unique voice. Yep. I remember when, I because it is a very unique voice, and it takes a little bit to be like, okay, how do I feel about this? Like, it, it, it's so different, right? And that's one of the things that's so shocking about it. It's so different. And I remember vividly the night that I fell in love with Stavesacre, I was driving through the desert. I was in Eastern California listening to Absolutes on cassette. And I'm like, I love this. I love this. <laughs> I, I love this. It was so cool. I love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. You kind of mentioned it uh, while you were talking right there. Um, you know, in a past interview, you had mentioned my band isn't my ministry. My whole life is my ministry. And you mentioned anything that's involved around your life that you're involved in, that's your ministry. Can you expand more on that? Your experience in the last almost 25 years in Spoken, you know, how do you view that with faith in your music? Yeah, you know what's crazy how long it took me to realize that Spoken was my ministry. Okay, that's what I always say. I would be like, yeah, my ministry, I'm, I'm, I'm in a band called Spoken, it's been my ministry, my ministry, my ministry. And... I, it was a hard lesson learned, but I, I had to realize that it's not only the band that makes it to where I can communicate the gospel, you know? And so that was one of the things that was, was hard, and I can't believe that for so many years I just looked at it as spoken was my only ministry. Because it should be every aspect of your day. You're not going to get it right all the time. I don't get it right half the time. You know, but the ministry to... To my children and to my wife and, and and to people that I come in contact with, that's that's more important than music. That's more important than me traveling and being on a stage and saying stuff. Because at the absolute end of the day, I don't deserve to be able to be in a band. I don't deserve to be able to travel as an acoustic artist. I don't deserve to be able to do guest worship at a church. Um, I don't I don't deserve how great my wife is and how amazing my kids are. It's absolute the grace of Jesus. And so I don't want to, I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to, I don't want to miss those opportunities because I know how often I have missed opportunities by letting things that are not as important be too important. Mm. Amen. Amen to that. I have a question for you. It's, it's definitely along the faith side. Um, I, I'm a small business owner and um, one of the biggest things I struggle with is success. Like when am I going to be successful? Like, what is success? From a world standpoint, success could mean a money value. From a faith standpoint, it's a very different thing. So back in the day, I was, I was listening to an article about, remember Everyday Life or EDL? Yes, I do. Ted. Oh, my gosh. Their third, second album, American Standard. Holy crap. That was just one of those, again, in-your-face records. But yep. I, rem I remember when they came, when they were releasing their third album, um, they were very discouraged because POD was getting popular. Project 86 just went from Tooth and Nail, Beck Records, to Atlantic Records, and the new metal scene. But they, but they were having a hard time feeling successful because they weren't getting as far as they wanted. Yeah. What is success? Have you struggled with that? What is success to you? Have you ever been through that process of, am I successful enough? Um. I would say, yeah, I would say anybody who works really, really hard to try to try to make it to where your music is heard, to make it to where your band is noticed, to where people are excited to to check out your band. I remember I do I, I do remember when when Project 86 came out. I remember how they skyrocketed like it was insane. Like I'm like, uh, we're like the same kind of music. Like what's what's going on? You know, but their record was great. Like their first record was great. Um, to me, like draw, drawing black lines, incredible. Uh, what's it? Rival fractions, whatever. Yep. Rival factions. Love that record. Like I, 
I'm a fan, you know, and I always have been. It was it was a little bit. We we probably we probably had a conversation as a band, being like, this band just literally sold like four hundred thousand records, and we're trying to sell twenty thousand records. And that's when bands could sell records. Um, but then I'm like, you know what? That's great that they're doing that because it's only helping build um, what it is that the rest of us are trying to do. And I think that you know, in the same way when when Norma Jean came out and they blew up enormous, like that was something that was great for um, the, the, the Christian music industry. When Under Oath came out with They're Only Chasing Safety, that changed everything for bands like us because bands that didn't have faith or didn't care about the Christian market, they took notice and they're like, wait, there are bands that sound like this, that are this good, that can hang with these other bands. Like, no matter how we feel about, you know, a band now back 15 20 years ago they helped define what it is that we're able to do now and so and it is a very different world and and there are some bands that you know i mean honestly i, I won't mention names but anybody who can think for a minute or maybe they've been to shows and they've met some of these bands they're like wow those guys were jerks you know we're like it's something where they miss the fact that like you're lucky to be able to do this you're lucky to be able to play music at all you're lucky that god allows you to breathe today so why is it that you would ever act like you're too good for the person who paid a ticket to be at your show and just thought of one this success yeah well <laughs> I, I could think of 50 you know right now <laughs> every time i scroll through my phone i see some some names where i'm like ugh, i just need to delete that you know yeah, yeah but yeah. And, and it doesn't matter if you're if you're just considered a concert goer. It doesn't matter if you're the promoter who is paying money to bring this band in. It doesn't matter if you're the people who are helping load this band in to make it possible for them to play this show that they're getting paid well to do. It, it should be something where every person is treated with respect. That should be it. Um, and and none of us deserve. To, to be able to do anything when it comes to being able to tour, whether you're in a van, whether you're in a car, whether you're on a bus, it doesn't matter. You are very fortunate. And if you want to use the word blessed beyond reason to do it, that's awesome. I'm happy that bands blow up huge. I'm happy that bands are able to make a good living at doing it. If they can sell tickets like that, fill these places up and make it to where every promoter on earth doesn't lose money, by all means, I'm, I'm all about it. Like if you can tell people something that points them towards Jesus, I am all about it. You just put chills up my spine right there, my friend. That is absolutely amazing. I love the fact that you don't really care how successful you are. You just care about people hearing the word of Jesus. I do. I, and I know that God's going to take care of everything. He always has. There's been no reason that we've been able to afford to even put gas in, in the gas tank for 24 years of touring. No reason. Like, it's like, okay, this is awesome. So glad we get to do this. Does that mean that there are not hard, hard, hard days where you're kind of like, is it worth it? Like, I, I don't know. And then every time, like you get to a show that night and you play and you have some kind of conversation, like, absolutely it was worth it. That was so cool. Wow. Being broken down on the interstate all day long. It was worth it. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great point. I mean, you have been playing for 24 years. You've come out with nine albums as spoken i think one as as yourself with the worship album on the side um it's really awesome to see um that god has sustained that success for so long for you guys um last question i'll get into uh with with your older music um you obviously changed a lot from your first three albums onto your next three albums with tooth and nail um is there a specific song that sticks out to you in your first three albums that you still appreciate a lot in those three albums? Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't listen to our records, which I get grief about all the time. Like, what do you mean? Really? You to it? I was like, well, I don't. That I, is crazy. I don't know. I, I was there. You know, I, <laughs> I helped write it. You know, we performed each record. Um, which means I probably heard each song three hundred times. You know, while we played it live. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. it's like, if, if I play it live, yeah, I hear it. That's fine. But one of the things that someone recently challenged me with is like, why won't, why don't you go back and listen to your whole disco discography? I'm like, I don't have time. They're like, you drive a lot. I'm like, I get it. But I, I don't really like listening to what they're like, go back and listen to what the songs were about then 
and see what you learned about yourself after that. See what, see where you are now. See the things that you can, you know, listen to them. It's like, oh, totally. Yep. Yep. I remember that. I remember that. I was like, you know, there's a lot of things about the past of, of band member stuff that I don't want. I don't want to remember. I don't want to go back and do that. You know, I've had people be like, well, you should write a book. I'm like, I don't, I don't think so. And they're like, no, the history of the band. I'm like, there's just history that I, I don't want to remember. I don't want to relive. And there are things that, that went on that I, do, I don't, I don't want it to be where these, these past band members have to hear a story about why they're no longer in the band. They know why they're not in the band. And I don't, I don't want it to be something where I would ever, you know, be dragging someone, you know, down by hearing their story 20 years later, you know, mm -hmm. because some departures were not good departures, you know, and, and that's absolutely unfortunate. There are some departures that were amazing. And I, you know, talk to those guys often on the phone, but I think, I think anytime that a part of history is kind of uncovered and dug up again, it's kind of a bummer. Mm -hmm. I got a question for you, Matt. So you signed, when you guys signed the tooth and nail records, now tooth and nail records, just to be, they, they have a, um, a little bit of a controversial past as far as who they've signed and things of that nature. Was it an e was it an easy decision to sign the Tooth and Nail Records? Like, what was your thought process behind that? Um, I don't know if it was an easy decision. I, I know that every band when they first started, whenever that was, they're like, "I want to be on Tooth and Nail." Of course, yeah, I, I, I wanted to be on Tooth and Nail until I heard from their news or their their mail rooms like, "Yeah, if we like it, we'll call." <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> you know. Um, but we worked really, really hard touring on the Metro One Records. And once we were out of our deal with that, um, you know, we kept touring nonstop, trying to write music, trying to tour, trying to juggle all that stuff. Um, but, you know, we were talking to Goatee Records for a very long time, um, you know, even before we started talking to Tooth & Nail. But then, like, it became something where we were talking to Goatee and Tooth & Nail at the same time. And, you know, that was right when... Uh, it, it basically is like you had Reliant K that was one of the biggest bands on Goatee. We're like, that's really cool. They have so many, you know, people who love their band and follow their band. You know, they're, it's only a matter of time until they blow up, right? They yeah, were already yeah, yeah. huge in the Christian market, but they hadn't really been marketed to general market yet. But then when you have Tooth & Nail, Under Oath was blowing up enormous. I'm like, well, they that's already like blowing the doors wide open for general market. And we wanted to be able to tour both markets because we were already playing bars and churches. Like it was like half and half all the time. We're like, we'll play anywhere. Like we would, we would just like, we just want to play. And so we made the decision, like, you know, what? there is this general market possibility, you know, with tooth and nail. So let's do that. And so we signed a tooth and nail and, you know, we're in the process of recording the record. And right then is when Reliant K blew up and they were like on Warp Tour, you know. So it's like both of those would have been great options. Um, but, you know, we recorded a moment of imperfect clarity and, we, you know, we were able. That was a whole new chapter for us. You know? And so we took off on the road. And so we, we did all three records on Tooth and & Nail. And, you know, we figured it's like once we were done with our contract with Tooth & Nail, it was like, well, we did three on Metro One, three on Tooth & Nail. Let's see what else is going on. And that was that long period between Tooth and & Nail and E1, which we also had several new band members and trying to figure out, all right, if we put out a record, it's got to matter. What are we doing? And so that's when we literally spent so much time and so much, like touring the whole time, you know, but also learning more about songwriting because we had never really been taught any of that in the beginning. We just took off on the road as some teenagers. So we learned a whole lot midway through our career about songwriting, and I think that was awesome. Um, but then, you know, right after, you know, we recorded Illusion, uh, that's right, right before that record came out, we were able to go out with, you know, the band Volbeat, and that was a whole other world for us, um, you know, being able to play, you know, anywhere between 2,500 people and 6,000 people every night for six weeks, and I'd never even heard of that band until we were on tour with them. That was crazy. Um, yeah. But that was just a whole other, like a springboard, you know, to be able to, to continue having a band, being in a band like that, that added so much to the longevity of our band. So even, you know, that far in, we had a great opportunity with a, a really big band that agreed to take us on the road.
That's awesome. That's awesome. Your music, as you just said, is is growing album after album. Your first three albums, the big change in a moment of imperfect clarity, and then the slight changes that happened after that. You know, all the way up until um, nine. Um, yep. You know, right now I just you just released four singles um, that I've noticed on Spotify: Nightmare, Awaken Me, Fallen, uh, The Way Back Home. Nightmare blew me away. Uh, very piano driven, a, a lot uh, different than the normal. Uh, album that you'd have. Tell me a little bit about that song, Nightmare. Um, how did you come up with that? What is that really about there? Well, I mean, Nightmare is a song that, um, like, uh, there's a band called Righteous Vendetta um, that we had toured with several, several times. Anyway, Justin, their guitar player, he and I, we we kind of, we ended up recording, like, I think we did, we demoed like five or six songs a few years ago. Um, and Nightmare was a quite a bit heavier song. Like, it was, it was pretty heavy. Um, anyway, I showed it to Jr. and uh, he was like, "This is cool. I have an idea." I'm like, "Go for it. Whatever, whatever you want to do, right?" And um, he sent me this this demo that was not really a demo. It sounded like a record, you know. And, and it was him singing, him singing the whole song, uh, and it was all down and ballady and, and piano driven. I'm like, "This is so cool." He's like, well, I just, you know, I just kind of, you know, seemed like it would fit good as a piano song. I'm like, I love it. And literally, like, I I hadn't, I wasn't in a situation to be able to record vocals on it yet. And so I literally was almost, I, I was about to where like, JR, let's just put it out with you singing the whole thing. And he's like, wait, what? I'm like, I, dude, it's really good. Um, and, you know, in the end, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, you know, like it's already one of those things where it's like it is different that JR is in the band. People are excited about it. Um, it probably just shouldn't be right off the bat. There's JR singing a whole song, or people think that I'm just straight up being phased out, you know, which maybe <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I, you know, ended up recording, you know, some vocals and JR mixed it together. And I'm like, yep, this is cool. This is cool. Um, because JR, I mean, he's one of my favorite vocalists like he's just really good he's definitely one of my favorite guitar players he's one of my favorite songwriters great stage performer and he's just a great guy so i'm kind of like yeah yeah for sure i dig it let's do it and so that's uh i you know it's one of those things like we were talking about everything to do with covid and how everyone is so confused what a nightmare and you know we're just like this is the perfect song for right now you know matt i got a question for you so as I stated before, one of my favorite things about your band and bands like Disciple, um, Skillet, I find the bands very missional, whether it be through their music or actually with action, um, either on the road or in person with um, their fans. Um, I find your music, I find Disciple's music, specifically both of your music, very missional with your words. Like, you like you write with a purpose. Um it's your ministry. But as I've noticed over the past few years, have you noticed that the Christian rock, metal, hardcore scene has really changed to more self-serving or do you still see it as a ministry for most bands? I, I think it depends on the band, really. I think it's because, I mean, bands don't realize that most of their fans could see right through them, you know, yeah. or it's like, uh, but at the same time, I, I think, I think so often these bands and band members or whatever it is, they are put on such a high pedestal that people kind of ignore their bad attitude or they ignore some of the things that they post on social media. And I was like, I, I don't know. Cause in the end, I don't, I don't want to do anything that, you know, my wife and my kids would be like, wait, what are you doing? I, I want to do what honors them as well, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, I, I just think it's really hard. I think human beings are hard. I think the way people react to situations is really difficult. Um, and I get it. Like it, it, we live in a very, a very strange upside down, broken, crazy world, especially this year, you know? And so I, I think a lot of times bands do get hung up on, you know, what can they do? How can they say something? How can they say it to make it to where the rest of the world embraces it? Um, instead of just kind of like, hey, what's on your heart? What's truly going on inside your heart? How do you write about that? You know, because, I mean, straight up, I was talking about it today. Um, I, I did, like, 
I did this acoustic thing, you know, at this restaurant during the lunch hour or whatever. And I spoke a little bit about how there are certain songs that I hear on country radio that I think are so good. But there's like one line in it that I, I would never say. Therefore, I'm never going to sing it, you know. And so you mm. automatically be like, I'm never going to cover that song because of one line. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think that there are things that people put into songs where they're like, I don't want anyone to be confused about where what this song's about. Therefore, I'm going to put this one line in to make it blatant, you know, so there's no doubt. I'm like, OK, well, that that's fine. Because there are plenty of songs that I, you know, straight up wrote about my life that people are like, man, that just touches my spirit. Like that just brings me closer to God. And I'm like, that's awesome because that's what's so great about music. It is open to interpretation, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, that's awesome. Um, but sometimes they're not too stoked to hear that. It's like, oh, actually that, that, that song straight up about my wife, about how I feel about my wife. Um, but in the end, it's one of those things like if a person can relate to and they can relate the, that, that affection that I feel for my wife and that love I feel for my wife, but they like, this is how I feel about Jesus. That, that's great. That's fine. Cause I'm sure there's a lot of songs that came out on a worship record that were originally written, you know, about how someone felt about a loved one. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And the one thing I was, as you were talking about, there's, you know, um, but the way you write and there's things that it might be just that one line that kind of totally just ruins the song. Um, I kind of, I'm thinking about a couple of bands. I don't, I don't want to say them out loud right now, but, um, there's been a couple of bands in the Christian market who have literally dropped an F-bomb in their songs or cursed in their songs. And I think to myself, why? Why do you think sometimes Christians feel the need, especially in their music, to feel relevant? I want to say I don't know, but I feel like people who decide to put those words in a song, I believe that those words are common in their everyday speech. Therefore, they're kind of like, eh, no big deal. Very true, you know? very true. I believe that's probably it. Um, but I've also had the conversation about, you know, you know, cuss words so many times because the people that I was like, do you ever just want to cuss in a song? I'm like, nah. I was like, I, I think I could find a different word that I could scream at the top of my lungs that can show that I'm, I'm feeling pretty aggressive. I don't think it has to be... Uh, one of those words, I'm like, I would never say it in everyday life. Why would I ever put it into a song that's recorded and forever? It's forever, you know, on on YouTube or recorded or any digital platform. I, I wouldn't do that. I don't want to do it. And I understand that bands have the freedom to say what they want. That doesn't mean I have to understand it. You know, I don't. I have a lot of friends that they cuss like sailors. And, you know, I don't. That doesn't mean I can't be friends with them. You know, there are a lot of things about them that I'm like, I don't understand that aspect, you know. And uh, and I know that there are things about me that probably drive people insane, you know, but they're still my friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, but I, I mean, don't know. I don't know why anybody would cuss in a song ever. That's just me. So I totally hear that. And I feel like there's been a progression of Christian artists that have started to do that. Um, you know, more and more. And um, I, I think, and I'll point this out because it's positive for me. But I, I won't point out all the negative times this happened. But the, the one time that I, I, I heard it happen and I was almost okay with it was King's Kaleidoscope. Uh, if you have heard their song, Prayer. Um, ridiculous song. So if you have time to go check them out, they're amazing. But I want to um, say I heard that song recently. Like, yeah, I, I don't it know was, why, but they dropped the F-bomb and it was, it was, it was not my choice to do, but, um, uh, but hearing King's Kaleidoscope and, and all of their, their music discography, like it's, it's ridiculous, but, um, we don't want to keep you too much longer. Um, so we only have a couple more questions for you, but, um, you know, you talked about your family earlier. Um, you know, you said your family tours with you sometimes. How do you take care of your family and your marriage more importantly during like these touring times when you're gone for quite a bit? Um, I would say I'm, I'm, I'm constantly trying to figure it out um, because I, I, because I'm not in the room seeing everything that's going on or seeing conversations that are being had with our kids or who's, you know, uh, you know, sending my wife text messages about what, what is, what is it that my wife is having to deal with at home while I'm, you know, a thousand miles away 
in the same way, if, if she's not talking to me, she doesn't know what I'm dealing with. Am I on the side of the road changing a tire? You know, am I, you know, you never know because life goes on, um, even, even apart. Right. So like, sometimes it's, it's kind of a, a juggle because I, I'm pretty good at, um, I'm, I'm pretty good at not letting my priorities be my priorities all the time. And that's kind of hard, especially at a spot where it's like, okay, got a sound check, uh, sound checks running late. Um, what's going on with this PA system? Why is this guy, the guy running sound? He has no clue what's going on. <laughs> what is he doing? <laughs> things run late. Things are stressful whatever. Um, and missing a call from my wife is one of my like least favorite things on earth. I, I want to answer it. I want to see what's going on. I want to know what's going on at home. Um, having bad phone service is one of the worst things ever. Like whether it be in the States, whether it be when we're in Europe, it drives me crazy. Like it's so, so hard. Um, but my wife is absolutely amazing and I don't know how she does everything that she does. I don't know how she keeps things, um, kind of on track the way she does. And she's been very, very patient with me. Um, over the years, you know, of be continuing to learn of like, what, what do I need to be doing? How, how do I become a better father? How to become a better husband? How am I a better friend? You know, because in that all too, I want to be a better, I want to be a better band member, you know, to the guys in the band. Um, I want to be a better communicator, all of that, you know? And so I think if, if every person can realize that we are absolute works in progress, and as long as we're trying our best to move forward, um, I think we're all in a good spot as long as we're trying. But, um, you know, a mentor of mine and my wife's that something he said to us early, early on in our marriage was that if you're not nurturing your relationship, it's dying. And I'm like, what? What? He's like, basically, if you chose to buy a potted plant and then you chose not to water it, you're you're choosing to kill it. I'm like, that's amazing. You know, and so um, it's one of those things where. Um, I think there are little moments that you have a, a, a reminder of like, okay, are we moving forward? If we're not, why not? What do we need to do? How do we do this? Um, but I think any job that requires you being gone is really hard. Um, when it's already like just life has enough things that we have to try to juggle. And that's not even taken into consideration, you know, finances, distance, phone service, you know, meltdown with children, whatever it could possibly be. Um, we all have these things that we are trying to juggle. And um, I, I love the journey. I really do. I mean, th that doesn't mean that there's not hard situations, but um, we, we figure it out. And again, my, my wife is a saint. That's it. I'm not. She is. So <laughs> you sound just like me. I, I tell my wife, I'm like, man, I married up, first of all. And second of all, I'm sorry, and you're amazing. So I resent. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, I listened to a, a podcast um, yesterday of this uh, a, a gentleman who he's he's a middle school, uh, you know, a, a middle school leader, and he was like, basically, guys are boneheads, and our wives are who, you know, they give us these ideas, and we're like, oh, yeah, I should do that. He's like, but we're just boneheads, and I'm like, oh, you know absolutely, what? so true. <laughs> So I was true. in. My wife is an absolute amazing person. I always say, if my wife was an animal, she'd be a fox. But that's just me hitting on her. But anyway, so um, <laughs> <laughs> my wife, um, when I see her serve in church, I'm not gonna lie. This past couple of years, I've been a little bit slacking and learning different things about how to balance. Like one of what you just said, how do you balance life? How do you balance success? But at the same time, be a good husband and be the father and the husband that God called you to be. Over the past couple of weeks, couple of months, I mean, I see my wife, I see her serving and getting involved. And it's totally inspired me to be like, I need to be that husband she needs to be, that she needs. Yep. I need yep. to be that father because, you know, every day I, I tell my kids this verse, it's in Matthew, it says, for Christ did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. You know, um, that also means we should be serving our wife. How do we yeah. serve our wife every day? Like if Christ died for us and the Bible says, love your wife, like you love your church. Yeah. What are, what are we doing? What legacy are we leaving for our kids? Cause I, I if 
if we're not giving a good legacy for our kids, then we're pretty much throwing our kids to the wolves. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm absolutely so guilty. So, so many times where I'm like, man, I was not the best example I could have been right then, you know, and, and it is kids are always, kids are always watching. And that means we're always teaching. Uh, but look at how often we absolutely forget that. And the same way, like, I mean, the world is watching all of us at all times. And I think so often people forget that, especially bands, especially, you know, bands that consider themselves Christian bands, because people are just waiting. They're waiting and they're hoping that they see you, you know, fall flat of your face. Absolutely. And and it's it's a really kind of a hard thing because you're you're a fish in a fishbowl all the time, you know. And so it's like if you looked at it as like, OK, work. Yep. You're always on the clock then. Because they're watching every move you make. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's the same, you know, with your children. And uh, I mean, I have some good kids, and you know, I've apologized to my mom several times about how <laughs> my brother and I were when we were. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I'm sorry. It's like, oh, you were good boys. I'm like, I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> so along with that, along with the, along with all this, I have a question for you. Um, what is God teaching you now? Like, what is what are you going through? Like, what is the one thing that you say? You know something? God is really leading me through this right now, and because He's leading me through this, I'm growing. I'm learning. Well, it's a conversation that I actually had um, this morning with God while driving along, you know, side this river in Townsend, Tennessee, as the you know the fog was lifting off the fields and through the trees. I'm like. God, you're so cool. You're, you're so creative, and um, you know, a lot of times, like I will, I will just, I'll just, I'll just talk to Jesus in my head, you know, because I have this this thought. I'm like, I don't want Satan to know what I'm talking to God about, you know. What? And it's like, it doesn't matter because He has zero power anyway. And I'm talking to my Savior. I'm talking to the Creator of the universe. Um, he's almighty. He's powerful. It doesn't matter what Satan has to say about anything, you know? And so today I was driving along this river and I was, I was talking to God just out loud. I'm like, God, I, I want to talk to you more. I want, I want to be better friends with you. Like I, I want it to be something where it's like, I'm not, I'm not concerned about talking to you out loud because, uh, you deserve it, you know? And, and that was this morning. And so I, I think it's somewhere it's like, God, I, I know God's going to take care of everything. And God knows every aspect of what all of us are dealing with right now with, you know, the pandemic and COVID and all this, you know, uh, uncertainty. And so it's like, uh, why can't I talk to, you know, my king out loud? And so it was like, it was really weird. To me, it was like a revelation where I'm like, yes, I'm going to talk to my father out loud and not just in my head. Because I feel like so often that all the things swirling around in my head are louder than my own voice, you know? And, and I think that's something that uh, I would say a lot of people struggle with, especially when it comes to self-doubt or when it comes to, you know, us beating ourselves up way too much. Our voice is normally the loudest one in our head. And so um, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that. I want, um, I want to move forward, you know, in all relationships, especially, um, you know, with, with my wife, with my kids, and with with Jesus. That's awesome. We've uh, we've talked a lot about your your old music, and uh, we're gonna wrap up now, kind of with the future here. So, uh, if you want to kind of end the conversation with what what are your plans for the upcoming couple months here? You have a new album, I think, that you're preparing. Uh, anything you want to talk about with with what what's coming up? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I've, I've got uh, a run of acoustic shows out to California and back. Um, obviously, all of those could cancel tomorrow. I, who knows what's going on with everything to do with regulations and guidelines. Um, but I'm pretty excited about it. Um, I've been uh, in the past you know, week or so writing some more as far as like acoustic stuff. Um, just, you know, trying to tr- trying to finish some ideas of songs for like a second worship album. Um, so there's been that. Um, uh, JR and I had a conversation yesterday about the spoken record of us, you know, continuing to, to write over the next couple of months and to try to have a record complete, like fully written, 10 songs by February. And then, um, like right now, we've got some, some shows booked for July, but it's really hard to kind of move forward with filling those in because I don't know if they're going to happen. But mm-hmm. us finishing a spoken record and... Um, 
you know, honestly being excited and being patient about the Love and Death record coming out because it's it's so good, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. excited about it. So um, all of those things, you know, and and spending time with 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 Tiffany and the boys and just kind of preparing for, you know, a little little more time together before, you know, um, the new year. So that's that's kind of what we're up to. But a lot of writing, um, you know, uh, tr- trying to just kind of uh, always stay in writing mode, whether it be for for my my own stuff for spoken, maybe helping you know other artists write a chorus here and there and just kind of demo it out. Um, but yeah, I just I think just being able to hang out with with Tiffany and the boys is probably what I'm I'm just I'm stoked about it. I enjoy it. That's awesome. Hey. Thank you so much for taking your time uh, to, to speak to us. I know you're you're busy and you're driving and, and all of that, but you've been really cool to take your time out and uh, and spend some time with us. Um, just like you did back in February, like you said, you are one of those bands that um, you're approachable um, and and you're willing to speak to people. You're willing to speak to me. Um, you know, just some the oldest dude in the room uh, <laughs> to talk to me um, by far. It was just me and like a bunch of 18 year olds, but. Um, but it was a great time, and uh, we thank you again for coming on. Uh, if you don't mind, we'll end the recording and then just uh, kind of wrap up, and, and uh, that's it. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much.